A wonderful morning, good morning to all of you. Why don't you just stand up for a moment? <clears throat> I don't want you to fall asleep. You know, we have been singing a very slow song and that's wonderful. But on the other hand, we, we want to be vibrant as we are listening to the word of God. Listening is a very active um, participation of what is happening. You know, uh, you are who you are today because you have listened. You have listened to your parents, you've listened to your teachers, you've listened throughout your lifetime. And uh, thank God you have come here to listen. And that's very important because the Bible tells us that the word that is being sent is going to transform our lives. Amen? And so today, listening is very important. So turn around and shake somebody's hand and bless somebody. Amen. Now you may be seated. Thank you very much. So I trust that we are ready to listen. And uh, I want to share with you uh, the life of a person that is really outstanding. I've entitled my message today, The Blessing of a Dedicated Life. The Blessing of a Dedicated Life. I could have said the blessing of a committed, uh, a committed life or a loyal life because that's what we see in uh, the life of Elijah that we want to consider today. Let me read from the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. The Bible reads, So he departed from there and found Elijah, the son of Shepherd, who was plowing this twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelves. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after uh, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him and took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. And let me read a scripture from the New Testament. These are the words of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 25, you read, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow of Sarapas in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy, in the time of Elijah, Elijah, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Okay, let us pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your presence this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you are here to speak to us, that you are here to lift up our hearts, our minds, our determination, Lord, to serve you and follow you just as we see it in the life of Elisha. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your presence. We want to thank you for your word. May it transform our hearts and lives. Amen. Okay, when I read this story, maybe you sometimes get confused because the names of Elijah and Elijah are so similar. Okay, so take note, there is an Elijah, okay, Elijah, the Jah. Uh, that is the older prophet who is told by God to go and anoint uh, Elijah to be his uh, successor in ministry. So we must understand that God had uh, made a choice when uh, 
the ministry of Elijah came to an end to lift up another, another minister. But before he could actually become a prophet, he had to become a servant. And uh, that is what we want to look at here today. Now, it was a very memorable day uh, that altered the life of Elijah. Uh, and uh, his life was no longer the same as it used to be before. This man was young. He was wealthy. He had everything going for him. You know, he was busy uh, with 12 yokes of oxen to plow the field. I mean, he had everything that you can imagine. And he was not just one of the servants of the, of, of, of the master. Actually, he was, he was the owner of the land. He was the son of the owner. And, uh, of course, he had a very powerful future. So he was busy in the field. But what, did, what Elijah did not know was that God's eyes were on him even before he was in the field, long before he, you know, started off that morning, God had a plan for his life. And it's very important that we realize, you know, you may be doing what you're doing, but let me tell you, God has a plan for your life. You may not be aware of it, you may not have, not have any idea about it, but God has got greater intentions for each and every one of us than what we are currently busy doing. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. You know, uh, Elijah, who had really a difficult time, and he even went to ask God to take his life uh, because he was tired. He, he, he said he couldn't get, go on. And God said, okay, before you go, you still have some few things to do. So he gave him an assignment to, you know, anoint the king, uh, Jehu, and uh, anoint uh, his successor, and, and then do a few more things before he could actually leave. And so finally, Elijah came passing that field of uh, Elijah where he was plowing the fields. And uh, strangely, you know, Elijah does not say anything. He just passes the field. And of course, there were different people. So uh, somehow either God pointed Elijah out to him or he knew him from before. We don't know. But uh, Elijah just passed and he didn't say a word. He just took his mantle and threw it upon him. And what would you do if somebody throws a, a mantle on you or a clothes on you? You would say, is that man crazy? But somehow, uh, Elijah understood. Elijah understood the call. Probably God had already prepared his heart. God already must have uh, dealt with him in one way or the other, not really fully understanding what uh, this was all about, but he must have understood that uh, God had an interest in his life. And so when Elijah came and threw his mantle on him, he immediately recognized that that was a call to follow. That was a call into the ministry that God had prepared for him through Elijah. And so he, he got up, he left his uh, his. Uh, oxen and he, he ran after, after Elijah and he says, I'm coming, you know, let me just say bye and let me just do the needful so that I can wind up and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to come. And it is almost as, as if Elijah is not interested. He says, what have I done to you? Okay. Because of course the, the decision to call Elijah was not Elijah's idea. It was God's idea. Okay. Maybe Elijah thought, I have enough people around me, I don't need anybody else. Because the Bible tells us that there was a company of young prophets who were, you know, he was actually responsible for. So he felt maybe, I don't need another one who is just plowing the field. But God had a different idea. And so we must understand that God is directing uh, the path, even of such men, you know, great men like Elijah. Uh, who was really an outstanding prophet in the, in the Old Testament, uh, God had his plan who should follow him. He was not following, uh, you know, according to somebody's opinion, but God had his own plan of what should happen 
after that. So, Elijah went back, you know, took his oxen, the one he was plowing with, and slaughtered them. Now, you must understand the meaning of that action. You know, he had this, this pair of oxen, he had all the equipment, and he could have said, okay, can somebody please take care of this until uh, maybe I come back? If these things don't work out with this man that I follow, I will come back and I will continue plowing. Uh, but that, that's not what Elijah did. Elijah cut the bridge, okay? He decided that I will go for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, no matter what will come in the future, I will be there with my, uh, with, with, in the calling that God has given to me, serving Elijah. And that's what he did. So he slaughtered the oxen and he used the equipment, you know, the yoke and the equipment that he had in the plow to make a fire and he burned you know, that fire and, uh, you know, the, the, the meat was being roasted. And then he gave it to all the people he was working with. You know, that was a farewell party saying, bye-bye. I've got a different direction in life. You know, you could have asked what would happen to the farm, what would happen to his parents, what would happen to the people. All this, uh, I'm sure... Elijah left it with people who were responsible there, but he knew that his place, his calling <clears throat> was no longer in the field, but was following the servant of God. The Bible tells us <clears throat> that he followed Elijah and he became his servant. So from a ruler, a wealthy guy, you know, he became a servant, somebody who doesn't have, uh, doesn't play the first fiddle, doesn't have the first word, uh, but somebody who is willing to listen, somebody who is willing to be taught. And I think this is what we see in the life of Elijah. You know, he was willingly uh, dedicating his life to serve the man of God, Elijah. I mean, Elijah was a big name in those days. Uh, but then, you know, being a servant, when you are actually having a big farm and when you are quite an influential person, that may not have been a very easy thing to do. But Elijah only needed a small nudge, okay? Just that, uh, that mantle that was uh, thrown on his shoulders, that was enough for Elijah to know, it's my time to leave. It's my time for something fresh that God has prepared for me. And so... He went. He went in order to do the work of the Lord. And I think we see this life of Elijah is an amazing, outstanding uh, history or story that we can read in Scripture. You know, he was a man who was called from a busy work schedule. And let me tell you, God always calls busy people. He doesn't call lazy people. Okay. So if you have got nothing to do and you do not know what to do with your life, uh, and then you say, oh, maybe I can serve God. Forget it. You know, forget it. I've met a few of those, you know, uh, who, who had nothing to do, who didn't want to do anything, who were lazy. And then they said, oh, I'm going to ministry. As if ministry is something where you can laze around. My friend, that is a wrong perception. Actually, ministry is a very, very busy vocation. Okay, and so this young man, he was not a lazy man. He was a busy man. And God called him from his busy schedule and says, come and follow me. You know, this is true with the disciples. You remember, the disciples were all busy. Some of them were fishing. Some of them were, uh, you know, repairing the nets. Some of them were sitting at the, at the tax booth, uh, tax collector's booth. Uh, and, and, and the Lord Jesus called all these people who were busy. Have you seen that Jesus was calling even one person who was lazy? Somebody who was just sleeping and having a good time during the day? Not even one. All of them were busy people. And so, you know, if you don't know what to do with your life, find something to do with your life. Okay? Because God is looking for people who are busy. People who are 
able to do something with the pounds or the talents that God has given to them. Okay, because that is our responsibility. God has given us our life. God has given us talents. God has given us ability. And he wants us to use all of those things in his ministry in a way that brings glory to God. So God comes to him, you know, he gets that nudge, and he is immediately available to serve. He was not a lazy person before, and he's not a lazy person afterwards. So he was following Elijah. And we don't know exactly what uh, that entailed because the Bible is pretty silent about the ministry of the two people when they were together. But then there are a few hints that we are seeing in Scripture. It became, you know, widespread knowledge. You know, that God would eventually take... uh, Elijah home. Okay, people knew about it. But then, you know, before that had to happen, there were things that Elijah had to learn. And Elijah, who was willing to listen, willing to learn, willing to serve his master no matter what, he was uh, uh, doing an outstanding service to his master. In fact, it became known in Israel that Elijah is a good servant of Elijah. Okay, let me take you to a scripture, very interesting scripture in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 3 and verse 11. Okay, that was later on when Elijah had already gone. But um, at that time, you know, there were three kings, the king of Judah, the king of uh, uh, Israel, joined by one of the actual enemies, and they wanted to defeat enemies that came to attack Israel. And then things didn't work out. You know, they were doing roundabout trips. The the enemy was always, uh, you know, disappearing. was always not uh, able to, to be overcome. And eventually, Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, who was somehow a God-fearing man, you know, in contrast to the other two kings, uh, he, he was asking a question. He says, is there no prophet of the Lord here? Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elijah, the son of Shepherd, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. What a powerful testimony. You know, he's the man who refreshed the prophets when he was still around. He's the man who served him. He's the one who, you know, was able to refresh him after a long day's work or even, you know, when he was to have his meal. He was somebody who was there with him. And it was becoming known. People knew about it. People talked about it. And so when Jehoshaphat came, who was from Judah, that was in the south, in order to help his brother in the north, the king of Israel, uh, and, and things didn't work out, okay? Because God never told Jehoshaphat to actually do that. He did it because he felt he needed to help his brother, okay? But then the enemy could not be captured. The enemy could not be defeated. The enemy could not be even, you know, found. And so eventually Jehoshaphat says, no, no, something is wrong here. You know, we, we need to have guidance from the word of God. I wish some of our Uh, some of our rulers today would have the same kind of uh, revelation. We need to have advice from those who know the voice of God, from those who hear the voice of God. And so this officer said, I know there is Elijah. I know he served faithfully his master Elijah. And so they, they called him or they went to him. Rather. And then, very interestingly, Elijah gave them what to do. He says, go and dig, dig, dig a lot of ditches on the roads, okay, and then fill them with water. And when the enemy comes, you know, in the morning, they will think all these ditches is blood, okay? They will think, uh, you know, maybe these people have fought each other and they have killed each other. 
And uh, that's how the war eventually was won. Because there was a man of God who was able to give them guidance according to God's will and direction. And that is very often missing in life. Very often, even us, we do things just the way we feel like, the way we, we think, oh yeah, that, that could be a good way of, of, of going about. But it's very important that we get an input from the word of God, that we get an input from people who hear from God, because God has got something to tell us at every situation. So the servant who was recognized as the one who did care for the man of God was now a man of God in his own right. Okay, he was now the man that God had elevated to that position of being the prophet in Israel. Okay, he was the man that God had earmarked, okay, appointed before even Elijah knew anything about it. And then he said to Elijah, now that your ministry is going to come to an end, you go and anoint this man. And that's what he did. And Elijah was able to get well-groomed in the ministry of Elijah. And when finally his time came, he was ready for that. So he brought deliverance to the people of Israel on that day. And it's very important that we see uh, this could only happen because there was somebody who was totally dedicated, totally committed to his master, to the man of God, when he was still around. Somebody who was not going to the left or the right, but somebody who was really able to learn from him in a powerful way. Now let us look at the, the time when the departure of Elijah drew near. That is described in scripture in, in very clear uh, words. And you know, Elijah stays committed. He is committed, he's loyal, he is dedicated to the very last moment of the departure of Elijah. And I think we can learn something from there. Let me read from the book of 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, of course that is not the normal way that somebody goes, but this was the plan of God. So when the Lord, of, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elijah and asked, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Remember I said, it was common knowledge that God would call Elijah home, okay? It was his time. His time was up. And even the, 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 the company of the prophets, the sons of the prophets, as they were called, those who were trained by Elijah, they knew about it. Okay? And so they come to, to uh, Elijah and they ask him, don't you know that he's going? Actually, why are you following him? Because he's going anyway. Uh, you know, that's my, my uh, imagination, what they could have said to him. Okay? And Elijah said, yes, I know, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elijah. The Lord sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Very interesting. You know, they come to certain landmarks in life, and every time... Elijah says, okay, you don't need to continue following me. You know, uh, I'm going anyway, so don't worry. Uh, I will find my way, and you better find your way. But Elijah is not willing to give up. He says, I've been staying with you. You know, I mean, I could say this in my words. 
You have, the Lord has called me. I've been serving you. I've done this from the very, very beginning when I first followed you. And I will not give up until the work is done. And that's amazing. You know, I think such people are really required even today. Verse 5. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elijah and asked him, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from him? And he said, yes, I know. So be quiet. So Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Can you see there are always different places where Elijah is called to go and he tells Elijah, you don't have to follow me. Okay? But Elijah, Elijah is not, not willing to give up on his call. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elijah had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. What a miracle, okay? I think we know that miracle from the people of Israel who came out of, uh, of uh, Egypt when they were at the Red Sea. That's when God did that for the first time. He did it again when the people of Israel were about to enter into the promised land and the Jordan was divided, okay? And God really made a way for the people of God to enter into the promised land. And as, as if a normal uh, act, you know, uh, when, when, when uh, Elijah, comes to, Elijah comes to the uh, Jordan River, he just takes his mantle and he hits the water and the water disappears. Don't try this at home. <laughs> okay. Unless God gives you that call. But, but then, you know, this is amazing. So they walked through uh, this Jordan River and the, the 50 people who had followed, these 50 prophets, uh, student prophets who had followed uh, Elijah and Elijah from a distance, they were watching, they were seeing how they were crossing to the other side. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Now that's a very interesting question, isn't it? Very interestingly also, you know, that question was not asked when they were at Gilgal, when they were at Jericho, when they were on the other side of Jordan, only when he had crossed the Jordan and all the others had remained behind. And there was only one person who was loyal, one person who was dedicated, one person who was absolutely committed to his master. That was Elijah who was still with him. Then, you know, when everybody else was gone, there were only the two of them, Elijah said, Elijah, what can I do for you? That's amazing. And Elijah, Elijah, doesn't have to think long. He's not asking for some luxury goods. After all, he came from a wealthy background. He didn't need all these things. You know, that which was most precious to him, that was most desirable to him, was to walk in the same spirit that his master Elijah was walking. And he felt it's not enough just to walk in the spirit of Elijah, but he was asking now for even more than that. Let me just read here, okay? Once again, verse 9 says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? So Elijah knew his time was up. And that was probably the last thing that he could be able to still do. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah replied. I can imagine by this time, uh, Elijah was scratching his head. And he says, 
you have asked a difficult thing. You have asked a difficult thing. Elijah, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. So in other words, if you are allowed by God to see that supernatural taking away that he's going to do with me, then you have what you have been asking for. If you don't see it, then you won't have it. Okay? So in other words, Elijah doesn't say, okay, for sure, this is going to be granted. Because even Elijah does not know. Because even a human being cannot grant you uh, the spirit of another person or a double portion for that matter as been, as been, has been asked by Elijah. As they were walking along and talking together, so they were talking about other things. We don't know what they were talking about, but they were keeping to go further. Okay, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Okay? Elijah was inseparable from his master Elijah. When Elijah said, go back, he didn't go back. He said, I will be with you as long as I can. And the only way they could be separated was by God himself. Okay? And the Bible tells us here, as uh, they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and the horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw, his, saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. So he saw it, okay? And Elijah said, when you see it, then your wish is going to be granted. You will be given what you have asked. Okay, and the Bible says here, then he took hold of his garment and tore it into two. And then Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of Jordan. Now that's something very important. You remember the mantle played a very important role in the calling of Elijah. Okay, Elijah took his mantle, you know, threw it on Elijah. And that was, you know, the call to Elijah because the mantle had to be taken back to the, to, to, to the owner. And he took it back faithfully and he served him all this time. We don't know how long it is. The Bible never discloses how how many months, how many years that may have been, we have no idea. But he followed. He was faithful. He was going every, to every, uh, you know, station that God took him. And even when Elijah said, actually now, you can go back because I don't need you anymore, you know, there's no, no service that you can render to me any longer because I'm going to be with the Lord. But Elijah did not do that. He served him until God separated them. But then he found, you know, that as Elijah was going, one thing remained behind. Very interestingly, one thing remained behind. And that was the mantle of Elijah, that same mantle that was thrown on his shoulders when Elijah called him because God had appointed him, as I was explaining earlier on. Okay, so Elijah picked up the mantle, and you know the mantle is like the ministry, okay? That is the ministry of Elijah. And when the mantle was lying on the ground, Elijah picked up the mantle, okay? He took over the ministry of Elijah and he started walking back because where they were going was into the desert, you know. He didn't need to go in the desert, he needed to go back. But for him to go back, he needed to cross Jordan again. And the Bible tells us, as Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak 
that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. And when he struck the water, he divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elijah. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let him go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountains or in some valley. Okay? So these 50 people, they were students, but they were well-meaning, but they didn't understand what God had been doing. Elijah understood. Okay? And so he told him it's not necessary because he won't find him. And for sure, eventually they did not find him. But you know, when Elijah came back from that experience, that, uh, you know, uh, blessing with a double portion of the spirit of Elijah, you know, he came to realize that really the spirit of the Lord is on him when he was seeing the waters of Jordan dividing. Okay? And even the servants of the prophets, they saw it and said, the spirit of Elijah is on Elijah. Amazing. Okay, but then immediately he ran into a problem. And you know, very often it's like that when we are doing certain things that God has called us to do that we are finding ourselves uh, being almost overwhelmed. So when Elijah had come back, you know, he saw that demonstration of God's power as the waters were dividing. But of course, that was nothing really uh, special to anybody. It was just to show that the power of God was there. Then the people of the city where he came to said to Elijah, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Again, Elijah is asked, to deal with water issues, okay? Now he was experienced with water. He was the one pouring water on the hands of Elijah. And so he knew how important water is. Water is life, as we all know. And so uh, Elijah says, bring me a bowl, he said, and put, it, and put salt in it. And so they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw salt into it, saying, this is what the Lord says. I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day according to the word Elijah has spoken. So what we can see is, you know, when God calls us, he wants us to become really dedicated and committed to the cause of the Lord's. And you know, all of us, we have a calling in one way or the other. It's not just that you become called when you are in ministry. You become called when you're a child of the living God. And God wants to use each and every one of us to do his mighty work. Okay? It will differ of what we can do, but all of us, we have been given talents, abilities, and gifts that God has bestowed upon our lives and we need to be busy with these gifts that God has given to us. So Elijah is given a job to do. Thankfully, he did it, and he did it well. I'm just reminded on the time when Jesus went up on the mountain with three of his disciples. And as they were up on the mountain, you know, the, there was a transfiguration of Jesus what it meant was that, you know, Jesus was all of a sudden appearing to them, not no longer as a human being, but as a, a you know, as a, a personality of lights. You know, he was uh, showing up the reality of who he really was. And as they were up there on the mountain, 
All of a sudden, you know, there was Moses and there was Elijah and they were speaking to Jesus. And you know, Elijah was representing the prophets. Moses was representing uh, the law. And they were talking to Jesus about what was to be finished in Jerusalem in those days. Because Jesus had come to close and finish the work in Jerusalem when he finally was uh, accused, when he was beaten and then taken to Golgotha to be killed on the cross. So the pointers in the Old Testament are coming from the prophets and coming from the law. You saw Moses and, and, and uh, Elijah, they had understanding of what God was doing. And so they were talking about the plan that was to be finished shortly in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these three men, you know, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus, they were, they were just, uh, you know, slain by the light. They couldn't stand the light. They were falling down. And, uh, you know, eventually when, when Peter was able to uh, come to himself again, he said, wow, you know, this is great here. Because the glory of God was there. And then he said, let's build uh, three huts, one for, for Moses and one for, for uh, Elijah and one for Jesus. And of course, the Bible says he didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> because there was no need for them to stay on the mountain. There was work down there in the valley. Okay. And so the voice came from the father in heaven, and he says, this is my dear son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So don't do your own thing here, but listen to him. And very soon Jesus said, okay, it's time to go. Moses and Elijah disappeared again. And then, of course, they were, they were um, uh, taken down by Jesus into the valley. And as they came into the valley, there was commotion. Okay? They came from the glory of God, but down in the valley there was trouble. Okay, there were people who were surrounding a man who had a son who was demon-possessed and the disciples tried to cast out the demons and they couldn't do it. And then they come back from the mountain, you know, from the anointing of the Lord. And thank God, Jesus did it. Okay, Jesus did it. That's exactly what Elijah did. You know, he came from the glory of the Lord out of a, an amazing experience with God. And he came immediately into problems and he was able to do what God had called him to do. A whole city was blessed by one person who was dedicated to the work of the Lord. One person who was wealthy at one time was willing to let everything go and became a servant. And even when he finally was a prophet and could have said, now I'm no longer a servant, he was still a servant because he was still serving the people. And that's what ministry is all about. It's service. It's not rulership. You know, Jesus was the greatest of all. He's the, the name above all names, but he's also the servant of all. And that is what we must understand. You know, these things, they are going hand in hand, very closely related to each other. So, Elijah had asked for the double portion. And that double portion is being confirmed. In fact, if we look at his life in totality and we compare it with the, with the life of Elijah. Now, Elijah was a great prophet. And that's why he was appearing with Jesus at that day. Okay. But you can see that uh, the, the life of, of, of uh, Elijah, uh, you can see double as many miracles as in the life of Elijah because he had a double portion, okay? And he was able to touch many people's lives through his ministry. And that's what really is the essence that we see in the life of Elijah. He was dedicated. He was loyal. He was committed. And praise God. God did mighty and wonderful things in his life, he became a blessing to many people. Everyone in that city who was suffering before Elijah was 
directed by God to heal that water was suffering. Many of them were unproductive. You know, they couldn't get, uh, have children because the water was destroying the pregnancies and things like that. But then after that, everything changed. So we can see there are many outstanding things that Elijah was able to do in his ministry. Not because he was boasting. He was a very humble man, okay? And, and I think, you know, when you really want to know a true prophet, you check whether he's boasting or whether he's humble. If he's a boasting prophet, then he's not a prophet of God. Okay, very easy to de detect. Prophets of God, they know where their power comes from. It doesn't come from their own muscles or from their own wisdom. It comes from the living God. Now, let me take you quickly to another story. In fact, there are so many stories which I can't, probably, can't, can't all touch, but I just want to take, quickly take you to another story. And again, you see that Spirit of God, you know, the spirit that was resting on Elijah is on Elijah as well in a powerful way. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah. You know, remember there are the 50 prophets or more than that who were uh, looking from a distance and one of them died. And this widow comes to him and he says, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah said to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Very interesting. You know, God often helps us with the things that we already have, okay? Elijah is asking, what do you have in your house, okay? This woman says, your servant has nothing there at all. Doesn't sound very exciting, huh? Your servant has nothing in the house at all, except a little oil. Elijah said, Go around, okay? So for Elijah, that was actually the answer, the answer of what could be done in the house, okay? Uh, so Elijah said, go around and ask of all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few of them, okay? Get as many as you can get, okay? Verse four, then go inside and shut the door behind you Okay, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. You know, there was that little bit of oil, that little bit of oil, okay? Nothing at all but a little bit of oil. When all the jars were full, amazing, huh? From the little bit, all the jars were full. She said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Okay, this is the next story we will just maybe touch that quickly. But uh, this is an amazing story. You know, this woman, she inherited debts. This man was serving to the Lord, serving the Lord, and still he had debts. So, you know, don't think that the men of God, they always have millions and, and a lot of money. There are a lot of servants of God who are not really having that money that some people are displaying. But they are struggling to make ends meet. And this man, this prophet, 
this uh, student prophet, he had debts. And of course, he didn't expect to die. So when he died, you know, the, the, the widow didn't know what was next for her to do. Because the only thing that she had as far as she was concerned were her two sons. And she knew that the, the one she owed would come and take his, her sons and make them slaves. That was a common thing in those days. Of course, that was a horror you know, story for her. And so she came to the prophet and says, what can I do? I have nothing. But she didn't have nothing. She had something. Okay. She had a little bit of oil. And it's, it's amazing how God can take your little. Because the little that you have is given to you by God. And God can multiply the little in your life. So don't ever disregard anything small. You know, I mean, uh, this, this widow said, I have nothing, nothing at all. Everything that was of substance was gone. The husband was gone and uh, probably all the furniture was gone and other things were gone. So she was left with the bare minimum. She was just having a little bit of oil. But praise God, that little bit of oil was making all the difference. And uh, mind you, Elijah didn't even come into the house. He just said, go and get as many jars as possible, put them together, and when you have all the jars, then shut the door. Okay? The miracle that God was doing on that day was the miracle that Jesus again performed, not once, but several times during his ministry. Okay? Remember, there was a crowd out there, and uh, it became late, and people were hungry, and uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, send these people home because, you know, very soon we are in trouble because when they want to eat, we have nothing to give them. And Jesus said, no, you give them to eat. And they had the same sentiment, but we have nothing. Just like you have said many times in your life, I've got nothing. Have you? Okay, very often that's what we do. I, I don't have what it takes. And Jesus said, but what do you have? Okay. It's very easy to say I have nothing, but there must be something. Okay, there's never nothing. There's always something. And so they went around checking. And of course they didn't find a jackpot somewhere. But they found a young boy whose mother had foresight. Okay, who was not just allowed to go and attend the meeting, but who was given some Russian. Okay, and the mother gave him some bread and some fish, some, some buns, you know, not, not big bread, but, but some buns and some fish. And then they came to Jesus and said, that's what we found, you know, two little fish and some bread, that's all. And Jesus said, praise the Lord. And he took it from their hands and he lifted it up to the Father and he said, Father, I thank you. Have you ever done that? You know, that's a very, very important uh, activity that we need to do. You know, just take the little and thank God for it. Okay, don't complain, says God, but what, what am I supposed to do with this little bit? That's what we very often do, isn't it? You're complaining, this cannot do anything. What is that little for so many? That's what the sentiment of the disciples was. But uh, Jesus didn't think like that. Jesus said, thank you, Father, for what you have given into my hands. And then he began to share. He gave, and he gave, and he gave. You know, he had told them how to settle down and how to, uh, to give it to the people. And all of them, all of them ate. And they had even baskets left over. That's a different story. But just imagine. That's exactly what happened to this lady. You know, there's a secret. A spiritual secret that God wants to, to, to teach us. You know, never say, I don't have anything. I have nothing. And even if there would be nothing, God made something out of nothing, okay? All these 
wonderful creation. God made it out of nothing because he is God. He is almighty. But God always gives us something into our hands. And so this widow was mightily blessed on that day because she had enough oil that could pay all her debts. Praise the Lord. And not only could she pay her debts, she could use the rest of it to live from it. You see, this is the blessing of a dedicated life of somebody who is, who is committed to the work of the Lord. <laughs> That's amazing. So the oil kept flowing until there was no container left. So make sure that you have enough containers, okay, so that God can fill them. Make sure that you find the little that God has given to you, even if you think it's, it's not going to do anything. Oh, it will. Okay, so I could talk a lot about other things, you know, about the Shunammite, Shunammite woman. I'm sure you have heard of her. That woman who was wealthy and who was preparing a house for Elijah, and he was coming there and staying there. And eventually he noticed that this woman had a need, okay? And he asked his servant, what can we do for this woman? You know, he was a, a compassionate man. He was not just saying, okay, good that you served me. I'm the man of God. No, he had compassion. And then the, the, the servant said, oh, she doesn't have a son. And then, you know, Elijah prayed for her to have a son, and she had a son. Praise God. Read the story in your own time. Later on again, the, the son died. And this uh, message came to Elijah and he quickly came, you know, and he took time to rest his body on the, on the boy's body and life came back to him. So he was a blessing, okay? And God wants each and every one of us to be a blessing. You know, the little bit that he has given you is much in the eyes of God. Can be turned into a greater and more wonderful blessing than you can ever imagine. I could speak about the enemies who came from uh, the enemy camps to follow the prophet Elijah, because he knew everything and he told the king where the enemies were, okay? And then, of course, eventually they surrounded the city and the servant of, uh, of uh, Elijah was so shocked and says, you know, these guys now, they got us. They, are, they, have, uh, they have now uh, found us and we are in trouble. And uh, Elijah steps outside and he's praying. He says, God, He's not praying that the enemy is going away. He's praying that the eyes of his servants will be opened so that he sees spiritual realities. And so when the eyes of his servants were opened, then he saw that those were with them, you know, the, the, the army of the angels of God were more than the enemies at all. So, you know, Elijah was a blessing. Time and time again, God used him in a powerful way to touch the lives of many people. Sometimes there were individuals like the Shumanite woman and their family or the woman who was in debt and had to pay the debt and he multiplied the oil. Or it was the whole city who was benefiting from the action that he took by healing the water. There were so many situations that this man became a mighty blessing, a dedicated person who was a blessing. Eventually, Elijah died. It's not a secret. If he was still not alive, he would still be here. So he died, okay? And one day all of us die unless God takes us like Elijah, okay? Elijah with the, with the, in the whirlwind. But anyway, let me read this one. This is very important, just, just to encourage you, you know. Elijah died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every, every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders 
So they threw the man's body in Elijah's tomb. You know, remember, Jesus had a tomb and it had a stone which was rolled in front of the, the tomb. So they were not uh, graves like we have them today that we dig a hole and we put the person inside and then we cover it up. These were tombs where you put the body. And so when they saw these uh, enemies, these raiders come, they were, they were in trouble because they said, what are we going to do with the, with the, with the dead person's body? And so they found that there was uh, the tomb of uh, Elijah nearby and they threw the body into Elijah's tomb. Okay? But that's not the end of it. Listen to this. <clears throat> so they were burying that man. They saw the raiders and they threw the man's body into Elijah's tombs. When the body, you know, the body of the dead man touched Elijah's bone, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Wow. That, that's a kind of uh, blessing that was emanating from that, from that person. Even as a dead man, he was still bringing somebody back to life. That's amazing. Amen? So, let's understand that God is calling us to live a dedicated life, a committed life, a life that is dependable, like we see it in the, in the story of uh, Elijah. Elijah was a young man, had a great future, had a lot of wealth, but he was giving all of this away when he heard the call of God on his life. And he followed. He was committed, he was dedicated, he was loyal. He was going all the way. He never turned back. When everybody said, ah, there's no way your, your, your master is going to be taken away. You don't have to follow. He said, no, I'm not going to stay behind. I'm going to be with him until God will separate us. And that's what he did. And that's when greater blessings, when a double portion of the spirit of Elijah was uh, given to him. He inherited that very spirit. And it was a great blessing to many people. So please take time to read these stories. I mean, there are many more stories than I can touch. Just look at the life of Elijah. Look at how he told a man with leprosy to get healed. And that man was proud. He said, like, why should I... Uh, dip myself into the dirty waters of Jordan. And his, uh, his people advised him, you know, if the man of God would have t told you to do something great, would you not have done it? And so he finally accepted to go into Jordan and dip seven times. And when he had dipped seven times, his skin became clean like the baby's skin. Praise God. So God wants us to be a blessing. Okay, this man was a blessing because he was fully committed and dedicated to the work of the Lord. He was not taking things into his own hands. He was always very closely connected to his heavenly father. And I think this is a wonderful experience how God can use each and every one of us. Even if you say, I have nothing in my house, you know, there's always something that God can multiply, that God can use for you to flourish into the future. Let us pray together. Lord our God, we want to thank you that you love to work with people like us. Lord, you love to call people out of the darkness of this world into your wonderful light so that you can be able to utilize their lives, that you can be able to utilize our lives. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you have given to us. And Lord, often we don't realize how much you have given to us. Often we don't realize that even the little that we look down upon is actually having the potential 
to multiply in amazing ways. So Lord Jesus, help us to learn from that story of Elijah. That man who was willing to go when you called him. That man who was dedicated to the very last moment of Elijah's stay on earth. Lord Jesus, he didn't let go. He was faithful. And that's why he was able to receive even a greater portion of blessings. That's when he received the ministry of Elijah who had just left him. He picked up this mantle that was the ministry of Elijah and he continued walking in that ministry and did even greater things than Elijah before him. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you encourage us through these powerful stories. Elijah was just a man like all of us, but he was giving his life into your mighty hands, fully committed, loyal, and dedicated to the ministry of the Lord. So Lord Jesus, let us be able to walk in the footsteps of Elijah and be able to see such wonderful things that you have done in his life. Lord, let them also become reality in our lives. Lord Jesus, you are still the God of miracles. You are still the God of doing extraordinary things. You are still the God of multiplication. So Lord, we love you and we adore you. And we say thank you, Lord, that you are the same as you have been yesterday in the days of Elijah and Elijah. You are the same today and you will be the same forevermore. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And amen.